ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're listening on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, basically anywhere that you can get a podcast, you can get the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, the great collection of shows we have, uh, the flagship here, GBB Live, been around since Nine, or excuse me, 2014. So we're going on year seven here soon with GBB Live. Uh, our other great shows, the Core Four, Three and D, and the Starting Five. Subscribe to the GBB Podcast Network. We're putting out four shows a week, one of each, unique perspectives, all sorts of great takes on the Memphis Grizzlies. It's hard to find that anywhere else in Grizzlies Dumb, but you can find it over at Grizzly Bear Blues with our podcast network. And of course, at grizzlybearblues.com, where I am fortunate enough to continue to be the site manager. I haven't gotten fired yet, and hopefully I can keep that streak going. I'm joined by my co-host at this time. He is my associate editor. He is the right-hand man. He covers the games live for us over at FedEx Forum. He does a terrific job for us at Paca underscore Flocka himself, Mr. Parker Fleming. How are you doing, sir? Just trying to make it, Joe. Not, not necessarily the best bit of news this week, so just trying to make the best out of the negative situation. I was trying to be as positive as possible. I thought my introduction was upbeat. I thought I had some good energy there. And then you brought it down, Parker. Way to go. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm sorry. Snap, sorry. Snapping us back to reality like uh, like old B-Rabbit did uh, back in 8 Mile. Uh, up there goes gravity. Thanks a lot, Parker Fleming. Uh, ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow the blog that Parker and I are fortunate enough to work at at SBN Grizzlies. I mentioned Parker's handle at Paca underscore Flocka. And of course, if you want to follow me, you can at Joe Mullinax. Uh, John Morant's out for the foreseeable future. It could have been a lot worse. Thankfully, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. We will get to that in the second part of the show. But here in the first part, I want to talk to somebody who I think is underrated when it comes to being uh, a key component of Grizzlies coverage of Grind City Media, the, the media branch of the Grizzlies organization. She's relatively new uh, to the scene, but she is somebody who has a very unique basketball story in her own right, and I'm really excited to have her on. Uh, she does a terrific job over at Grind City Media talking all sorts of Grizzlies and other things like uh, Bath and Body Works, apparently, after listening to yesterday's show. Um, with uh, t- previewing the Celtics. Uh, Talking Grizz is the name of the podcast. She does other great work for grindcitymedia.com. It is Kelsey Jordan Wright Johnson at Kel Wright on Twitter. How are you doing today, ma'am? Do you think I'm underrated? I think you're underrated. Oh and I don't mean goodness. that as an insult. I don't. I mean that as a positive thing. I mean that as, uh, and, and we talked before we started recording, you, you have the Chris Vernon's, Chris Vernon show, of course, and John Roser came over, and Devin, who runs the social media. There, uh, Lang has been great to us with Grizz Gaming. There's lots of really solid folks, of course. Uh, Jess and Megan of the Rise and Grind show. There's a lot of people. Mike Wallace, you know, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Rob Fisher. There's a lot of great folks over there. But because you're new to the scene, I think that you... I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a hidden gem. Yeah, a diamond in the rough, if you will. And I don't mean that, again, I don't want to say that in a negative light. I mean it as a compliment. I, I'm a big fan of your work. And uh, before we started recording, I, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but a simple Google search will bring up the, the fact, and I don't know how many of our listeners know this, you perhaps more than, maybe I should educate myself more on the other members of Grind City Media. I've met a good amount of them, and I'm, I'm confident in saying this. 
I'm pretty sure that you're the most accomplished athlete of everybody over at Grind City Media. I mean, you're a Ryerson College legend. So, so tell us a little bit about your own basketball story. Uh, there's a great article that I did in my research here from the eye opener that talks about your journey starting in sports journalism, covering high school sports, and then now being part of this, you know, new era of sports media with the Grizzlies. Uh, just a little bit about your own journey. Cause again, like I said, you are, and I'm not, this isn't hyperbole, one of the best basketball players in your college's history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. Like agreeing with that. Like, yes, I'm the best. <laughs> um, but I, I don't, so, you should agree with it. It's true. <laughs> let me make a very long story short. So I grew up um, in Toronto and my whole family was like basketball oriented, like my mom. And I'm just going to like flex on my family for a sec. My mom was the first ever female referee to officiate a men's college game in Canada. And then my dad is on the board of Canada basketball. My brother played college basketball. So like I grew up just being like surrounded by it. Um, in Canada, you can play, you have five years of eligibility as opposed to the NCAA where you have four. So I played four years um, at Ryerson where I got my undergrad. And that was, that's kind of like where the legend happened. It's because I still hold a friggin' shooting record because all I could do was shoot threes. Um, and then I transferred my fifth year. I went to a school called Western, played my final year there. And then that was the end of my basketball career. Now I'm here. And it's really a cool story because, again, the experience, you know, the, the ability to have that dual threatness to yourself. And there's probably a better way to put that. Um, the versatility to go from being an athlete, again, at a high level, playing college sports is not easy. I, I did it on a smaller scale myself as a college football player. Uh, to, to take that and to go and move into something like sports media and be good at it. Because you can watch people on television or listen to people on radio. And they have the gigs they have because of their achievements in sport, right? Uh, like you could tell that they're not the most engaging vocal talents or they're not the, the best analysts. And they're there because they are a certain person. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the fascinating thing to me with your story is you were successful in college. You applied your degree and the training that you got and you built your way up to a place especially in Memphis, because obviously you, you talk a lot about Canada and your connections there, and we'll get to those connections here in a moment with the Grizzlies in Canada. Uh, but it really is just real impressive to me that you've taken that and you've applied it, and now you're in this place with Grind City Media as somebody who is not uniquely Memphian uh, to kind of put your stamp on what the Grizzlies are trying to do over at Grind City Media. So uh, kudos to you for that. It really is impressive, and I do enjoy your work. Uh, with the Grizzlies. Um, you say that you hold the three-point shooting record. If you challenged, uh, hmm, I don't even know who to say anymore with the Grizzlies because it's, okay, it's, well, a, it's a fun. Let me just pause. Let me just pause. Sure. So I did, um, one of my gigs that I did like while I was freelancing was the, um, like I was like the feature and silent reporter for Team Canada. So we did like a bunch of features and as much as Dylan is a great shooter, we had this guy named Brady Heslip who was like literally like the best shooter in like Canada. Like he's literally like our best guy. So we did a thing where we were like, okay, let's challenge him. Let's do, and you can YouTube this video. It's up there somewhere. Um, we did a five shot who would win and he hit four. And I was like, Oh crap. Like I haven't touched the ball in so long. Like we're, we're shooting with a friggin' guy's ball. Like it's heavier. 
And I hit five. And even his face was like, oh, my gosh. So I think, honestly, that was luck. But it gives me, like, crazy street cred, at least with our Canadian guys, because they're like, oh, like, she shot better than Brady. Like, excuse me? So you, I saw, I do appreciate how you mentioned uh, Dylan Brooks when it comes to, uh, no offense to Dylan Brooks as far as his shooting goes, because as Joe always says, and as I always put on Twitter, I, I'm a resident and probably a founder of Dylan Brooks Island. So I appreciate somebody who appreciates how good uh, Dylan is. You own and the entire island. All right. Hey, I, I, no, that's not that. true. That's not true. Every time I go on Chris Vernon and they want to say something bad about him, they're like, Kelsey, cover your ear. <laughs> I am a, I am a Dylan Brooks. I'm a member of the Dylan Brooks fan club. So there you I'm go. You got another. You got another resident there. There Mark. we go. There we go. I think we just became friends, Sarah Kelsey. And so, like <laughs> with like Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark and uh, the Vancouver jerseys they wore last year, just uh, talk about that uh, that connection with the Grizzlies in Canada, especially for you since it was your first year covering the team and you had those connections to your your home country yeah it was cool to me to come like obviously I had been to Memphis one time before I moved here and it was like less than 24 hours it was for the interview and I knew nothing about it I knew no one here um and then I moved here and I already kind of I didn't know Brandon because Brandon had never played on a national team and so growing up Dylan's a little younger than me but like we played so like the national okay this is the national program you play like you you get to know your guys team really well as well just you guys travel together and you're practicing in the same facility so i had known dylan for a long time um and then worked with him when i you know switched over from the playing side to the reporter side um so it was kind of nice just to have like someone here and i'm not like it's not like dylan and i are best friends but it was like just a familiar face i was like hey Celtic, welcome to memphis so that was really nice one and then it was kind of just cool that like i went from covering the only team in canada to kind of coming here to a full-time job that has this like Canadian roots. And so I, I love the Vancouver jerseys and I feel like I would love them even if I wasn't Canadian, but it, it is kind of, it's an interesting transition and I feel like it did make it a little easier to come. And like, I can fully openly be like, yes, go Canada because like the Grizzlies are, you know, like they're like that semi, they have those Canadian ties so you can play off of it. It's been, it's been really fun. And I feel like Memphis also, is like this town and people always say it and it's so cheesy and I'm like rolling my eyes as I say it now, but like they really embrace you. Like if you're just like, Hey, I love Memphis. They're like, girl, we love you too. And I have felt that so hard over this year or year and like a month, I guess it's been. We're chatting with Kelsey Jordan, Wright Johnson. Make sure you're following her on Twitter. If you don't already do so at Kel Wright. again, she does a great job for grind city media. She does TV. She does podcasts. Uh, covers pregame, postgame, does all sorts of work. Again, the podcast is just Grizzlies. Make sure that you're uh, following that, subscribing the podcast. It does uh, great work. Uh, she co-hosts, or she does the show, excuse me, Talking Grizz. Uh, lots of different work on YouTube, podcast-wise. Make sure you're checking her out there and everywhere with Grind City Media. Really uh, some good stuff. I can relate to your transplant story because when I came to Memphis, I didn't know anybody either. It was my girlfriend at the time. Now my wife and I, she got a job working for her sorority uh, whose headquarters is their national headquarters is in Memphis. And I, you know, didn't have any connections to what I was doing in Virginia at the time. So I didn't want to break up with her long distance, whatever I left and went to Memphis. And it turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made on a variety of levels uh, coming to the city. So I can relate to that transplant 
ideal and the connection to the city being unique in that way, the showing love to it and it shows love back. So that's that's something that I can really, you know, kind of relate to you on. I'm curious, how does that impact your perception of the team, your perception of the city? Because it does for me. And I'll use a great example. Uh, when the Memphis Tigers are playing, uh, I just can't get as into it as others do that are originally from the city, because I'm sure you figured it out by now. If you are a native Memphian, the Tigers obviously have been in the city a lot longer. They've had a longer history. Uh, there, there are a lot more diehard, passionate Memphis Tigers fans than there were uh, Memphis Grizzlies fans. That's changed over the last decade or so, but that still remains pretty much the case. So I'm curious for you, being someone coming from the outside whose main connection is with the Grizzlies, how do you perceive Memphis? I think you're spot on with if you show love to Memphis, Memphis will show love back to you. But how does that impact the way that you look at the city and the Grizzlies in particular, given your basketball background? I will say I think I came with, I hate using this like unique so much, but I came at a unique time because I came the same season that the Grizzlies kind of got this like revamp and they got John Morant. So from my side, when you say like there's so many Tigers fans, like I went to one Tigers game, it was fun. And I work within the Grizzlies organization, but I'm also coming at a time where like there is something to be excited about. And that's no knock at, you know, Gasol or Conley or anyone, but I feel like I came in and it was like, people love John Morant. Like there are so many Grizzlies fans now because there's just, there's, there's a new, you know, something to be so excited about, especially because we pretty much knew he was going to win rookie of the year last year. Um, So I think I'm coming in and I'm like, I, the Tigers seem cool. Like people like it, I guess. But like, I don't, I don't see that same love for the Tigers that I do with the Grizzlies. And I know it's because I'm also just like, so focused on the Grizzlies and I'm kind of not opening my eyes wider. Um, but this city, Frig, like if you, I was looking at this the other day actually with Devin, um, who you mentioned earlier as one of my coworkers. And I was looking at my Instagram, like you can go and you can look at um, like your insights and you can see where your followers are from. And Memphis has already, well, I think they're tied or something. I should look at it again, but I think it was like 45% of people are now from Memphis. Like they are outdoing my hometown already and i've been here for 13 months that's awesome and yeah as it's easy to say if you if uh you love memphis and show it love they'll support you back and i kind of do want to take it to like the the grind city media realm of it because you have people that like around your age that have lived here for a long time you have devin walker you have john roser megan triplett Mm -hmm. and chris vernon even jessica has been in the local seed for a while so does having a bunch of coworkers that are familiar with the city, but also love the city as much as everyone else loves the city. Does that make that transit? Did that make the transition for you easier moving to a new city and starting a new job? No, because like once you leave work, like, I mean, I hang out with, okay. So Devin was part of my interview. Like we had gone out for um, dinner when I got here with a couple other people, but they're gone now. Um, so I've seen, like, I hang out with Evan sometimes out of work, but, like, once you're out of work, you know, like, you're, you're still by yourself. So, like, when I left work and I knew no one, it's not like I had Jess and Devin and Rosa to call and be like, hey, show me the city. So I really did get to, like, explore it by myself and come up with things that I like the best and that, like, of course, I'd be like, hey, Megan, like, where should I take my dad when he comes visit? But, like, I've gotten, I mean, before the pandemic closed everything down, I really got a chance to like explore everything kind of on my own terms. And it was cool because I came, I was, I mean, this sucks, but I was, I was late for the season last year. So 
I had kind of a slow start, like getting into it. So I had free time where I could go and explore and like really find out what I liked in the city without other people's like, what's a, what's a different word for like recommendation, like biases, you know what I mean? So I, I sure. feel like it, it was actually kind of a blessing to just come in at the time that I did. And although there are so many people who are native Memphians here, I did get to just do it without all those biases. And I was like, they, they'd be like, Oh, like, do you love, this is going to, this is a hot topic, but they're like, Oh my God, you live so close to Gus's chicken. Like, isn't it the best thing in the world? And before they had told me it was the best thing. I'm like, I actually like don't love it. Is that crazy? <laughs> Oh, geez. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's fine. Um, they're like, get they're, they're, off my podcast. No, no, I would never do that. Um, I, I think that you bring a, a good point. There, there's obviously a lot of preference to those kinds of things. Barbecue is another one. Uh, chicken mm-hmm. wings has become one there in terms of food, but it also could be music. You know, it can be lingo, anything that's culturally driven. Uh, again, oh, I can relate. lingo. Oh, yeah, sure. But that's something that I can, again, relate to because I am not from Memphis. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher and a football coach in my day job, when I would work at Bolton uh, High School there in Arlington, (laughs) I would I would be completely lost. It would be like I'd be on a different planet at times because they would be listening to something or watching something or or even eating something. I tell folks the story of, you know, just going to the grocery store and seeing things in the grocery store that I had never seen before. Um, you know, it's just fascinating to to come to a different place, to learn about the culture and to appreciate it. Again, everybody does things differently and that doesn't make anybody right or wrong. It's it's learning about and appreciating it. And and like uh, like we've been talking about throughout the show, if you show the city love, uh, the city will show love back to you. And I know I can speak to that. And it sounds like you can, too. Uh, again, we're talking I with Kelsey. Jordan. The, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, one of the, this is going to sound crazy and you guys might totally roll your eyes at me. But growing up in Toronto, it's like this like crazy melting pot of like so many different cultures. And I'm so thankful that I grew up in that. But I will also say, and this is the funny part that is going to sound so dumb, but Drake has literally made a connection between Toronto and Memphis that there are things that when I got here, I was like, oh, damn, like I thought that was a Toronto thing. It's actually a Memphis (laughs) thing that Drake has brought up from like spending time here with his dad. Like I, there's honestly been things where I'm like, oh, okay. All right, Drake, I see what you're doing here. Like, these two cities are more connected than I would have ever thought. Shout out to Drake and shout out to Canada. Uh, wonderful, <laughs> exactly. wonderful stuff here with Kelsey. Uh, when we come back again, we're chatting with Kelsey Jordan, Wright Johnson of grind city media at Kel Wright on Twitter. She hosts all sorts of different things, a Jack of all trades for grind city media. When we come back, we are going to talk about what you probably downloaded this podcast for. Job Morant and his injury, the impact to the roster. Tyus Jones met with the media on Wednesday morning before the Boston Celtics game. We'll talk about his comments. All of that when we come back. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Molinax, joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming. And we're joined also at this time by our guest, Miss Kelsey Jordan Wright Johnson, at Kel Wright on Twitter. Follow her there. She Again, I can't stress enough. She does a YouTube show, Talking Grizz. She does Just Grizzlies. Uh, so many different things for Grind City Media. We talked about her basketball background in the first segment, being a transplant. I can relate to that uh, as someone who came to Memphis from the outside in. So lots of good stuff there. But here is the, the question of the day, both literally for the Grizzlies and on our GBB Live 
Twitter account. Um, every once in a while, Kelsey, I post a question of the day over at GBB Live. Try to get the pulse of Grizz Nation. We had about 100 folks vote in the poll today. So thanks to everybody oh, who I did voted. that. Oh, I'm, I'm interested to hear your response. Here's the question. Assuming Ja Morant misses four weeks of game starting today because the prognosis, according to the team, and by the way, side note, Shams, Woj, and I think Woj did, but Shams especially. I, I've, I've noticed you point this out too, Parker. Just shout out the, the PR team. If you, if you don't have the scoop, I got the email to Shams, all right? You're not any more special than me. Just shout out the PR group. They're the ones that announce it. Anyway, sidebar. Assuming John Morant misses four weeks, that's the in-between of three to five, that would have him out for roughly 15 games. I went through and counted. What record do you expect from Memphis in that time? Parker, obviously, I'll get your take on this as well. I'll give mine to start because I think that's only fair. Uh, the four options were 12 and three or better, and 1% of the people, so one person out of 100, voted for that option. Shout out to that person. I'll have whatever you're drinking uh, at this point in the day. Uh, 5.1% voted 11.4 to 8.0 or 11 and 4 to 8 and 7. So that means 6.2 total think that they're going to have a win, or excuse me, 5.2. I'm a history teacher, not a math one. 5.2 people percent say that the Grizzlies will have a winning record over these next 15 games. 52.5%, which was the winner, said the team will go between 7 and 8 and 4 and 11. And then 41.4 have the team going 3 and 12 or worse. I voted seven and eight to four and 11 because here's my take on it. If you look at the schedule, all right, and I'm not saying that losing John Morant's not going to hurt because obviously it is, but you don't have a murderer's row to start the season. And when I did my schedule preview a couple of weeks ago when the schedule was released for grizzlybearblues.com, I broke it down and said, this is the time in the year where they can stack up wins. Obviously, without John Morant, that may not be the case. But I find it hard to believe that with the guys they currently have, plus, theoretically speaking, returning Justice Winslow at some point in the next couple of weeks, that's everything that Zach Kleiman has said has led us to believe that within the next week or two, uh, Winslow should be nearing a debut for Memphis. De'Anthony Melton, of course, coming off of the, uh, I, I don't want to mess up the name of it, but essentially the COVID list whether he contracted the virus or there's a contact that's private information, that's fine. He can't play right now. So whenever Melton returns, he will bolster the team. You have Dylan Brooks, you have Jonas Valanciunas, you have Kyle Anderson playing the best basketball of his career. I don't see this team completely falling off the cliff and going three and 12 or worse. I don't see that happening. I agree with the majority of voters, 52.5%, seven and eight to four and 11. Kelsey, I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. I guess you said you voted. What option did you pick? Are you the 1%? Because that would be awesome. No, my big blue bar is 7 to 8 to 4 to 11. We're on the same page. Tell me why. I was with the majority. 11 to 4, 8 to 7. I just feel like at this point, the Grizzlies are going to look to, for lack of a better term, keep their head above water. I don't think they're going to be able to. And it's not, it, like, obviously, Jaw is a big, a big loss. He's the leading scorer he's the leading or like the top facilitator but it's it's that in addition to jaron and justice and friggin the seven man list that there is um right now of guys who can't play and i think i think three and 12 is like a little like doomsday like i feel like that's like they're gonna win more than three games at some point we're gonna play teams that 
are bad, um, which is crazy because now all the all these like bad East Eastern Conference teams are like leading the way. Like, what's the heck? Like Orlando Magic? Like, excuse me, why are you four and out? Anyway, the New York um, Knicks are two and two. Yeah, don't love that. Don't love that. Um, but I think I think it'll be closer to the seven and eight rather than the. Um, or sorry, I think it's going to be closer to four and eleven than seven and eight. But I do feel like that's the range that they're going to be able to pull a few off. Like even if you look last year with a healthy squad, we were supposed to get pummeled by the Lakers. We ended up winning by you know whatever it was like fifteen or twenty or whatever. I can't remember the exact score. But there is going to be those little sneaky games that you're able to sneak in. And I feel like like what you said, we don't have like a Lakers. Well, we do have Lakers, Lakers, but like Lakers, Lakers, Clippers, Denver. You know, like the top teams coming up in those fifteen-ish games. We're jaws out, um, and I feel like hopefully within those three to five weeks we get a player back, we get a justice or a Jaron, um, and it'll kind of revive and relight the fire under those guys. And in addition, like you said, like the guys that are in right now are playing really well. Kyle's playing really well. Um, he's such an important piece, um, and I think now with Brandon back, he's going to be able to start getting going. So I just think three or twelve was a little ridiculous, and then twelve and three was just like. But you make an interesting point with the three and twelve or worse, because I am inclined to agree with you. I, I think that would be doomsday. If they go three and twelve without Jaw, that would put them at what? Four and fifteen? And if you're four and fifteen, you're you're a seller at the trade deadline. I don't know what options there may be, but you know, you're somebody that is not actively thinking that you're gonna make the playoffs in just that three week stretch or four week stretch of games that you miss. So I agree. I think that is a little bit too doomsday, but I have a theory on that, Kelsey, and I'm not going to go into a tirade because it's not fair to you. Uh, but there, there is something on Twitter that happens every once in a while where people say that John ja Morant last year as a rookie was better than Mike Conley ever was. And again, I'm not going to pose that question to you. I'm just using this as an example. To me, that's a ridiculous thing to say, and that's not to disrespect John ja Morant. But Mike Conley was one of the greatest players in the history of this organization at the highest level when they were playing for Western Conference championships. He was an elite defender. He made all defensive teams. He did all these different things. And Ja, who was electric as a rookie, and there's no denying that, and I think Ja's potential runs laps around anybody that's ever played for the team. But I think that in Memphis, this kind of goes back to what we talked about in the first segment, we get tunnel vision whenever there's something that we obsess on, you know, whether it's grit and grind in the previous regime or whether it's Ja Morant and how great he could potentially be. Now we, we don't, we, we kind of lose the woods as we stare at a tree in front of us. And I think that this might be an example of that with this 41.4%. Ja Morant is excellent. And the way he was playing before he got injured, he was better than Mike Conley. He was better than Rudy Gay. I wrote an article about that uh, for the blog. Uh, he was putting up numbers that no one in the history of this franchise had put up a small sample size, but it was a reason to be optimistic. Now with John Morant out, I think people are seeing that as all oh, man, the season's lost. They can't play anymore. I just don't get that vibe from this team. They've always been about being unselfish, playing basketball the way that it's supposed to be played the way that Taylor Jenkins wanted to be played at least. And the pursuit of that ideal, that standard, you hear coach Jenkins, talk about that all the time the grizzly standard of play jaw obviously helps them execute it but it's not like it's completely eliminated now that morant is gone so i i don't want to say that we overvalue jaw because i don't think we do but i do think that 41.4 percent is allowing the absence of one player to 
to really crush the, the goals of a group of guys who have shown that they're able to rise up in adverse situations in the past. Yeah, I think when you talk about, you know, me being underrated, I think JV might be the most underrated player in sure. the entire league. He's That's Mr. Double-Double. You can count on him for, you know, like 20 and 15 a game. Um, he's been struggling to find his game the last, or I guess just this regular season. But I think once he finds himself again and Kyle continues to find himself and me and Parker can agree that Dylan – is going to play great. <laughs> He's going to have more touches. Yeah. Just, he just will because Josh. And you're going to agree on Valanciunas too, believe it or not. He loves Valanciunas. You and Parker are going to become best friends. Parker, you want to get some coffee later? I feel like we have a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, that, that, and that's a good segue into what I was going to ask Parker about because we, we talk about Dylan a lot, and I think that's a, a great point. But Valanciunas is somebody to me because Tyus Jones met with the media Wednesday morning he's the one that most logically will have a larger role because there is no other true point guard on the roster. It's Tyus and that's it. And they'll have Kyle Anderson. They'll have Grayson Allen. They'll have guys kind of fill that void where they can, but Tyus stands to be the largest beneficiary of all of this that's happening. But at the same time, when you look at the franchise moving forward without jaw to me, Parker Jonas Valanciunas has to be the one that steps up in terms of offensive production because he's the one that's most capable. He's the one who has underachieved to this point the most. He's the one who has shown in the past that that is uncommon for his level of play. Therefore, he's the most likely to step up. Oh, yeah, for sure. And obviously, I think there there needs to be a little uh, uptick in JV's efficient, not efficiency per se, but volume. Uh, he needs to be kind of trending more in that 15 to 20 shot attempts per game now that John Morant's out as opposed to the around like 8 to 11 that's been uh, here the first three games of the season. But I also do think it starts with the perimeter players. I mean, obviously, Dylan Brooks has a newfound passion for being a better playmaker. So I think that like he's going to have to kind of put his money where his mouth is there because, I mean, there's no John Morant who's – not even just the best playmaker in the team. He's a top 10 playmaker in the league. So he's going to have to step in there. Uh, you're going to need Tyus Jones to be better than a, a minus 20 when he steps on the floor. And I do remember last year that when John Morant got hurt for that like week or two stretch, Tyus stepped in as a starter. And then once Ja came back, Tyus found his rhythm. So maybe getting more reps in with the starters and getting all those minutes can help him refine his groove. Also, do think a lot of it will also come on Brandon Clark, who I know the jumper kind of has overshadowed everything with his sophomore season so far. In that Nets game, I did see a lot more comfort with him as a ball handler and just making decisions with the basketball. He was just quick. He didn't really kind of like lollygab with the ball too much. He just attacked and went straight to the rim, whether it was off a rebound or around the high post. So it's going to also come down to him. But yeah, I agree. Uh, JV needs to be a more focal part of the offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how Coach Taylor Jenkins can go about that since his offense is more perimeter-oriented. But I'm just really excited uh, uh, to see Coach Jenkins have the opportunity to get a little funky here and potentially steal some <laughs> games in this little stretch. Absolutely. Parker, I, his word of wacky. That's, I, that's Coach I, Jenkins' word. I like it. I like it. I agree. Right. I think it's a good time to get wacky. We're finishing up here with Kelsey Wright Johnson. She does an amazing job talking Grizz on YouTube. Just Grizzlies podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. 
Uh, again, she has Kelsey's keys that she does before games. Uh, I'm just a big fan of the work she does over at Grind City Media. Make sure you're following her on Twitter at Kel Wright. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this. I asked Tyus Jones in the pre uh, in the post shoot around media availability on Wednesday about what we can learn from this group of guys with both Jaron and Ja out because Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies GM, has stated that this year is about data accumulation, trying to figure out exactly what they have and the resources and the assets and the players that are currently in the fold. And without those two superstars, or you hope to be superstars in the case of Jaron, Jaws obviously pretty close to that, if not already there. In the absence of those two, how can you gather data as to who should be here long-term, who should be tradable assets without them on the floor? What are we going to learn about this team in the next month or so? And I asked that to Tyus, and he said that he believes that you're going to see what the players are capable of in larger roles and taking advantage of this opportunity. You never wish injuries on anyone. Tyus made that very clear. But this is a chance for a guy like Tyus Jones, a guy like John Conchar, or my boy Desmond Bain, who should start, and anyone who disagrees is a coward. Um, Everything that goes along those lines, and that's a bit, by the way. Uh, Don't get mad at me, Coach Jenkins. I I know you have your ways. Um, the, The bottom line is it's a chance for guys that wouldn't have played otherwise to show what they can do and prove their value to the organization, not just in the here and now, but in the future when in the next year, two years, three years, this team's going to be planning on playing uh, at a higher level in terms of competing for championships and playoff wins and that sort of thing. So what are you going to look for these next few weeks, Kelsey, from this team with both Jaron and Ja out? I think the biggest thing, I mean, that I'm going to look for or we're going to learn about them is who, and again, this is coming from like, I feel like everything I say is so cheesy, but like I truly mean it. And it's something that's important. I think we're going to learn about who on this team has mental toughness because it is not going to be easy one, preparing for these games, two, getting yourself psyched up to play in front of nobody when you also don't have Jaron, John, Justice, all these, like, I could go down the list. And I think it's going to show who has that mental toughness and who is able to overcome. And it's going to be, like, each individual player. Like, as a team, yes, but each individual player has to overcome. You know, it, it would be easy to go into these games as a Tyus Jones or a Desmond Bain, as you will, Concha or whoever, and be like, we're out, like we're done. Like we're going into this game and like we're going to lose because we don't have these guys. It would be easy to do that. So I think it's going to be really, it's going to be really interesting to see who comes in and changes that like, what was me mentality to be like, no, like let's do it for jaw then. Like let's work extra hard and do this for jaw or for Jaren and get past the like, this is probably a game that we should lose and instead step up and be like, you know what, F it, like, let's go out and shock the world. And that's something that not all athletes have. I would say a majority have them because they've made it to the NBA, but it, it is something difficult, um, especially with now the COVID rules where you, you also don't have fans to help you find that energy and create that energy for you and the team. It's going um, to be just like an added thing. <laughs> Great word, Kelsey. It's going to be an added thing that they're going to have in the back of their minds that good players and the best players and players who are going to do well in this 15-ish game stretch. Um, It's going to be interesting to see which ones can overcome another challenge mentally. And I think people that have played sports at a high level, bringing it a full circle with you, it's, it may sound cheesy to folks that don't fully understand it, but when you're in the heat of those moments, 
uh, as I know you've been, Kelsey, uh, that mental toughness thing is very real. And I think that you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. That's what I'm looking for, too. I'm looking for who has the backbone, who's going to bow their necks uh, in the face of adversity. I think we've got some guys like Dylan Brooks is exhibit A who, who are going to rise to that challenge. It's about channeling that energy for him. Uh, but we're going to learn about it with Desmond Bain. And we're going to learn about it with John Conchar. And we're going to learn about it with a Kyle Anderson to an extent as he plays at a role that he's never really been asked to play at as that lead facilitator, a scorer. Um, he's going to be doing things that he's never been asked to do on a consistent basis. And we're going to learn a lot about this group as a whole in the days and weeks to come. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Kelsey Wright Johnson at Kel Wright on Twitter. Again, she does so many wonderful things for Grind City Media. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. It's fantastic. I subscribe. The Jess Grizzlies podcast. The latest episode is with Desmond Bain. I'm going to be listening to that after we're done recording here because I am a big Desmond Bain fan. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's really appreciated. Continued great work and success in the new year. And hopefully we can have you back on the show in the future. Appreciate you guys making time for me. Now we can go back to just like talking smack to each other on Twitter during the <laughs> Yes, that, that's exactly right. Uh, thank you so much again to Kelsey. Make sure you're following her on Twitter at Kel Wright. Make sure you're subscribed to her podcast, Just Grizzlies. Make sure you're subscribed to the Grizzlies, or excuse me, the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can follow all the great shows that we have, Core 4, 3, and D, Starting 5, and, of course, this podcast, GBB Live. For my wonderful co-host, Parker Fleming, for uh, Kelsey, our great guest, and for me, I'm Joe Mullinax, the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. <laughs>